You're listening to the Live Free Now podcast, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Find us online at livefreenow.show. And now your host, John Bush. Hey friends, John Bush here. Wanted to give you a quick note uh, before I give you the podcast. The town hall that we did, it took place recently, so it happened in the past, but we just wrapped up the replay, and that should be available if you still want to check out the replay of the event. It was incredible. We had 120 people in person, hundreds watching online. Texas Slim absolutely delivered a very powerful, inspirational message. It was a day full of solutions, all centered around creating more resiliency and anti-fragility in our local food supplies. You definitely don't want to miss this podcast. You definitely don't want to miss the town hall. So you still can go to libfree.academy town hall in order to access that replay. It should be available by the time this podcast is published. If not, you'll get emailed shortly if you register uh, with that information. Like I said, we talk a lot about the town hall, promoting it uh, in the podcast. It happened just recently and we'll be happy to share the replay with you. Again, folks, there's a lot of craziness going on in the world, but there's nothing that can stop some people that are empowered, that are connected, and that believe in their ability to provide for themselves and to become more resilient and anti-fragile. All right, without further ado, enjoy the interview with Texas Slim. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Live Free Now show, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free prosperous and healthy life. I am your host, John Bush. We have a wonderful program lined up for you today. We're going to be joined by Texas Slim. He's a Texas cattle rancher. He's the guy behind the Beef Initiative, which essentially is linking up local food producers with local food consumers. It's a massive effort to decentralize the food supply. Most people are wholly dependent on grocery stores, have no connection to the food that they eat. And at the end of the day, most of the food they eat is uh, total garbage. So uh, Slim is helping to bring awareness to uh, the importance of regenerative agriculture, regenerative ranching, uh, food production, meat production, and the connection that it has to our health. He's also a big proponent of Bitcoin. And not only are we decentralizing the food supply, but we're also decentralizing the way we do money. I want to invite you guys out to join us. Texas Slim will be uh, our main presenter at the Live Free Academy Food Resiliency Town Hall. That's coming up December 3rd. You can register for free to watch online over at livefree.academy slash townhall, livefree.academy slash townhall. Hope you'll check it out. There's also tickets uh, to join us in uh, Bastrop where you'll be able to uh, have some food and some great stuff. It looks like we're live on Odyssey, but it's going to the wrong link, but that's all right. We're also live on YouTube. Shout out to the audience checking us out. All right. Without further ado, let's bring our guest up. Texas Slim, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm freezing my butt off here in West Texas, but it's okay. It's winter. It gets colder up here than you guys down there. So Yeah. Yeah, it's cold here. It's like 45 or so, so I imagine it's pretty nipply up there. I think it was uh, 10, 12 degrees. So oh, they wow. blow they blow in, they blow out. So, you know, they come off the Rockies and by the time you know, they get to down central Texas, they're kind of petered out. So good. Well, we're lucky down here. Well, cool. Yeah. So uh, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience for those not familiar with the work that you do? And uh, I want to spend some time getting into your background and sure. how you came to this whole food intelligence thing. But who is Texas Slim? Well, what I am and who I am is, you know, we've we've created a kind of a movement around I am Texas Slim and the Beef Initiative where I grew up, uh, you know, I grew up in ranching and, you know, agriculture, everything, uh, multi-generational Texan. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I got, had an internal injury. And so I started looking at food again, and I wanted to get back to really the source of the seed of our nutrition. I've always, uh, you know, I grew up with a freezer full of beef. Uh, we always ate our food locally uh, growing up. It was it was something we had a lot of good health. 
we uh you know there we fed the community my grandfather was a big steward of the community uh he was very decentralized in the way that he raised his cattle his his uh his chicken his fowl his hogs all that kind of stuff so whenever i got kind of beat up i was laid up for about eight months and so i i've come from big tech uh you know whenever i was 19 i moved to austin and i became a research analyst throughout the years and so i've got some skill sets that i put towards food intelligence and i created that hashtag and i said we're going to get back to the source of the seed of where we came from because what we've got going on right now is we have a basically a metabolical failure in the nation and it's trickling down into our children and for you know i made a promise to myself and to my family to my son to my legacy that i was going to create something that would allow people to basically have market access to the best nutrition in the world started out with texas beef uh now it's across the nation we got over a hundred producers in the beef initiative platform they all come in voluntarily they follow a lot of regenerative practices uh each protocols are always different the beef industry is a wide spectrum of proof of work of ranchers and everybody gets to have a voice within the beef initiative what we're doing is we're creating a new beef industry in the united states and we're doing it with an integration that basically eliminates the multinational processing centers distribution the global industrial food complex and we don't have to ask for permission uh, we use bitcoin because it's a decentralized um, payment structure it's a network a lot of people don't understand bitcoin but it's a peer-to-peer -peer transaction and a lot of ranchers are really loving it because they're getting paid in bitcoin they don't have to pay transactional fees, 3% to the credit card companies, so they could save that money in Bitcoin if they need to transfer it over into fiat. So it's, it's very wide. But what I'd say the Beef Initiative truly is, it, it, we're about building relationships. We're basically building out locally and we're broadcasting globally. First started in Texas, now we're across the United States. We're getting North South America involved. I'll be going to Australia at the beginning of the year. So that's kind of the long and the short of it. And we'll go into more detail when we continue this conversation. Okay, right on. Yeah, that's it's a it's a very noble mission and absolutely critical right now. Uh, there's a health epidemic, and it's ironic because there's a bunch of money spent on healthcare in this country, but it's more like sick care. Right. So, yeah, uh, you got a history uh, as a Texan. How many generations did you share that? Oh, we oh, fought God. about six or seven. <laughs> my, All right. my, That's my old school. My uh, my ancestral grandfather, he was uh, he was over here in the, before the, the revolution. And he he was actually the first preacher in the Carolinas to establish a Wesleyan Methodist church. And uh, so he had nine children and nine sons is what he had. And they, they went on discipleship and one of them ended up in Galveston Bay. So it was a long time ago. So All right. Cool, cool. A lot of history. So um, tell me a little bit more about this health episode that you had. I was listening to one of your interviews uh, with this woman recently and uh, mm -hmm. you really opened up and got vulnerable about some of the details there. I know oftentimes adversity uh, can lead to some major life changes and some big eurekas. So can you kind of walk us through what you were experiencing a few years back that led you sure. to this eye-opening um, experience about health? Well, you know, how I, I grew up, you know, the cowboy way. That's the only way I can know how to say it. You know, that's as transparent as I can be. I don't bullshit around. It's just, I tell you like it is. And I've had over 20 broken bones. I've got 14 pieces of metal in me. I've had concussions, all that. Well, we, 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 uh, we don't complain. We deal with the pain. I had an internal injury. I didn't complain and I dealt with the pain, but that pain kept on dealing with me and over time uh i had kind of a something that basically started shutting down my kidneys and i didn't really know what was going on well i lost a lot of weight i lost a lot of muscle mass i was dying basically and i didn't know it it was over a period of time and finally um i had to you know i had to go into the medical system and whenever I did, you know, they drained over 20, I don't know, 28 liters of fluid out of me. I weighed about 121 pounds when they were done with that. I was nutritionally starved. My body wasn't functioning. My GI tract was gone. And, uh, you know, I had to be put back together in a certain way. But what I found out while I was in the medical, you know, uh, under the care 
of this reactive medical system that we do have. You know, I've had a lot of broken bones. I got a lot of metal. They do very good at the mechanical side of uh, health. I've had a lot of experience with the health industry in the United States. One thing that they aren't is they are not sound in what nutrition is and ha- actually how to treat people that has m- have metabolical issues, G- you know, GI issues, things that really matter as far as what is the importance of somebody that needs to reestablish their nutritional value from the inside out. I found that out and, you know, I was damn near dead. They gave me about six weeks. They couldn't figure it out at first, but, you know, throughout time, patience and a lot of diligence on my part, you know, I was able to get well, and I did a lot of my rehab on my own, and that's whenever I turned my skill set into really understanding where we are kind of trapped within our consumption models and our lack of market access to that food and that nutrition that I talk about so much. And so it was enough of a scare where I basically I thought I was gonna I thought I was gonna be gone, and I made a promise if I got out of this I was gonna go on a mission, and I made a sacred promise with myself, and I've kept it ever since then. It's been about three years, and uh, you know we're gaining a lot of traction. A lot of people are paying attention because they're starting to see. You know, the deceptions out there. I wrote an article called The Harvest of Deception, and you can get that on my substack. It's texasslim.substack.com is the first one I wrote. That took off, and we haven't really turned around yet. You know, we're grassroots. We don't have a bunch of that dang, you know, centralized controlled money. Everybody's given their time, talent, and treasure. They see the value of this, and they want to go save children's lives. And I started, and I knew that I had to do something because our children in this nation— they're getting robbed and a lot of people will not acknowledge it. There's a form of denial going on in our society that is killing our children. And like I say, I know exactly what's going on in the food systems as far as you don't have to validate that damn deception anymore. There's other options. It's a lifestyle change and us adults, us parents, we're the ones that have to stand up and start taking charge of this and and quit acting like we have to ask permission to eat the best nutrition in the world. Right on. Yeah. I'm always fascinated um, by this concept of anti-fragility. In fact, the first time I heard about it, it was in relation to Bitcoin, which I definitely want to talk more about. Um, But it's really like a mindset, right? So adversity happens, chaos, instability, pain, struggle. And for some folks, it breaks them. And they never come back. But for other folks that are empowered compared to being a victim, there's a lot of victimhood in this world, especially in this country here in the U.S. But for a lot of folks that are empowered, they leverage that adversity in order to learn more, in order to become uh, more resilient. So I really appreciate that about your story. Can you share like so you were going to the doctors and the uh, the MDs and the Western medical establishment, which, as you pointed out, is very reactive. Um, what was it that led you to this natural health path? I know that you're all into beef, right? And eating largely carnivore, uh, which I've seen a difference in my energy and health now that I've been pounding on y'all and y'all steaks and candy cattles <laughs> and stuff. Um, not to mention it just tastes absolutely fabulous, but was it some research? Was it uh, somebody that you were turned on to? Was it an article you found? What, what were the, the specifics as far as that transition from the old, well, the old way of doing things is really what we're doing. The transition from this Western allopathic reactionary medicine uh, back to this more holistic approach to health. What was that insight that you found? Well, the one thing that I always talk about is, you know, I don't do anything midstream. I think you can't do that anymore. Uh, you got to start from the source. You know, you, you have to discover and you have to find out what the source of the seed of the issue is. Mm. And so with my own health scare, you know, one thing that I was able to do was I was able to reflect on a family and a heritage that in which I came from, which we were very healthy. We, 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 uh, you know, like I said before, we, we stewarded community. My grandfather did. And one thing that, you know, I noticed and, you know, with my analysis that I can perform is that a lot of things started happening within the agricultural system, you know, as me as a young boy. And ever since then, you look at the charts of our metabolical health, it, it follows the destruction of the dollar. The debasement of our dollar and the debasement of our health are the same chart. 
And once I knew that, I started looking at everything that had happened in the agricultural world. And so you look at all the fake commodities that have been introduced, and let's say since 1971, you can really start tracking the, the basically the failure of our health as a nation. Uh, and by doing that, once I, you know, kind of had a, a basically my compass on the right direction of where to go with this, you know, I really started, I went out there and from things like, um, you know, I, I went and I interviewed uh, healthcare clinics. I fed the homeless. Uh, I was feeding 250 homeless people a week at one time. I went out there and talked to the academic uh, basically uh, certified nutritionist that were trying to take care of me. Most everything they were telling me was based on something that is not basically healthy. <laughs> you know, as far as what you go look at what, how they treat diabetes, they don't bring up anything about, you know, protein. They don't bring up anything about eliminating certain highly processed carbohydrates out of your diets. And so just going down that rabbit hole, it's not that hard. A lot of people don't understand that most of our food has basically been engineered where they've hijacked our taste buds. And so everybody's really now their, their desires, they don't even know why they desire desire the certain foods because it's a chemically induced desire. So by doing that, you get to the source of the seed of what the hell's going on, what the hell has happened. And then by that, I started, I embedded myself in a harvest company and I went and kind of checked out, you know, what we were harvesting across the United States. I went on wheat harvest and it ended up, we were, we were basically harvesting 50% of our crop was rapeseed, which is canola oil. And, you know, they're saying that there's a wheat shortage because of droughts, but that wasn't the case is that they were subsidizing more canola oil into our harvest the year I went out there. And a lot of people don't even realize that rapeseed was outlawed by the FDA in 1956 by any human consumption. Well, what happened since then? Well, we went very industrial. We went monocropped and we said we're going to go feed the feed the world. And everybody always says that we have to feed the world and that's bullshit. What we have to do is we have to feed our communities because when we said we started, you know, going to feed the world, we quit feeding our children. We quit feeding our communities. Most of our food that we consume in our communities now are multinational corporations. Some of the most strongest communities in the United States of days gone by are now the weakest. They're food deserts. And they, they are as close to agriculture as you can get, but they don't have market access to that beef, that fowl, that nutrition, that protein, or even the even the grains that, you know, they wouldn't have to go and through, buy through the multinationals. So a lot of people don't understand the distribution, the basically the, the engineering of a global food uh, one world food group is what it, what it is. And whenever you look at the multinational corporations, they do have an agenda. It's part of their 2030. It's all part of the great reset. They want to basically create a one world food group in which they take out most of the animal protein. And a lot of it already has been taken out, but people don't understand how to disseminate these labels that they deceive us with. They don't understand that when it says 14 grams of protein on a, on a package of pizza pockets, that there's no protein in there that's going to benefit you whatsoever. So it's daunting uh, to get started into the food intelligence. But once you kind of accept that there are deceptions out there and when you accept the health of the nation has basically been destroyed the last 50 years, it's pretty easy to say, OK, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to basically change my consumption model from audio to video to my food and i'm going to create direct market access peer-to-peer -peer as we do in the beef initiative and i'm going to be able to basically engineer basically i always tell people engineer your own suffering before that suffering gets engineered upon you what i mean by that make a change change your lifestyle to where you have market access to good food once you have good food just like you brought up once you're consuming something that's going to give you energy in a way that you never have, that begins a new lifestyle. And it's not hard. It's something that you do naturally. You become very intentional about it. You do it with integrity and authenticity. 
a lot of our food is done with deception. It's done with uh, manipulation through chemicals, through taste, through the labeling laws are screwed, through chemicals that you're consuming that you don't even know because the FDA don't even have to tell you that they're putting the chemicals into your food. Uh, last year alone, FDA won a lawsuit in October 21 that, where they could put 2,000 more chemicals in our food systems this year, and they don't have to tell you. And they say it's under the gross rule, generally recognized as safe. Hmm. So if you understand that there are deceptions, you say, I'm not going to validate the deceptions anymore, and you create a new lifestyle. Right on. I was just, you know, validating, like you're not going to validate a block with a bunch of fake transactions on the Bitcoin blockchain, right? So you don't want to validate any of this fake food. Um, you know, I appreciate the connections that you draw between the money being debased and all the manipulation, of course, all the subsidies uh, and the food. And then that's connected to people's health. And I was thinking of um, the Rockefeller Foundation, right? David Rockefeller is the one, the Rockefeller Foundation is is the institution that brought monocropping to the world. And they were acting as though they're, you know, God's gift to humanity, uh, when in reality, they've depleted the soil. And of course, the soil health has so much to do with the health of our bodies. Uh, sure. And on top of that, the Rockefellers are the ones that introduced petrochemical medicine, right? The pharmaceutical industrial complex was also brought about in large part by the Rockefellers through the Flexner report and their effort to kind of demonize uh, Eastern medicine and the old school modalities that are a lot more effective. So I appreciate that. Let me ask you this. Were you like a leader of a movement before this health issue, before this, or were you more, did you keep to yourself, kind of like an average Texas guy? Uh, <laughs> nah. it's, I'm just always fascinated because it sounds like it's this health event that really catapulted your energy and your your desire to do good in the world. Is, is that the case? You were kind of just more quiet beforehand? Yeah, I've never been anything like uh, I, like I said. I made an agreement, and, and you know, it's a sacred promise within myself. Anytime I do that, as you know, whatever it takes is is that you got to do this shit. So, I've always just lived kind of a cowboy. I call my, everybody. I, I'm a hippie punk cowboy from you know <laughs> West Texas and Austin. So put it all together, and that's what you get with me. But you know, I've been around the world a couple times. I ha I've I've lived a very a life of exploration and adventure. That's for sure. Uh, I don't mind stepping out into new uh, horizons. I don't mind the challenges. Uh, I like putting putting in proof of work every day of my life. I don't like a yearning for convenience that they've socially engineered our population to go into, especially our children. So I like a good fight. That's it. And, you know, as far as, you know, being able to lead this, I don't have a problem doing it. Uh, you know, one thing that you see, especially on social media, you see it all the time as well, is you see a lot of the fake LARPing and, you know, these influencers that, you know, really don't have a purpose behind it except to basically manipulate just in a different direction. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just try to be myself. I try to lead with truth and honesty and integrity and authenticity. And I think people are really hungry for authenticity. I, I hear that yeah. a lot these days. They're tired of the BS. They really want to say, hey, man, we're tired of all of this. We want to be able to lead or be led in a way that, you know, please educate you know, teach us how to do this or show us the way. I don't mind doing that because it saved my life. And, you know, a lot of people are coming into the beef finishes saying the same thing. So that's a responsibility. I have an obligation now. Right on. Well, I appreciate that. And you're doing a good job to uh, appreciate your energy and your, your plurific tweeting and uh, <laughs> connecting all these different groups together, right? Because I know you've been going to these Bitcoin meetups. There's one this week in Austin. Mm -hmm. And so that's a lot of younger folks. They haven't maybe been exposed to this Texas ranching philosophy and the importance of regenerative agriculture. So it's the bringing together of movements that I think is really special. So let, let's talk about beef, right? Uh, sure. I'm a big meat eater. And uh, just more recently, in large part, thanks to my guy, Ryan, uh, who helped connect us with you. Right. Uh, I've been eating beef a lot and been having steaks a lot. So it's quite the, the honor to be able to do that. But uh, why is beef such an important part of your diet? How did beef help you transition back to a healthier place? And, and tell us about the importance of healthy soil and healthy practices when it comes to raising these cattle. Well, if you look at the history of humanity, we got here by consuming um, meat. 
you know, some form of meat. Usually it's a, it's a red meat. You know, you look at the, the cow itself, the, the sacred cow, you know, you, there's a book out there. There's all kinds of history that you can look at the cow. Ancient societies worshiped the cow from, you know, massive differences in religions and philosophies. They all had one thing in common. They knew the importance of the cow. The cow basically is a land tool. The land tool basically takes the earth and does something with it to where it can transfer into your body as far as the vitamins and minerals that are of the earth that's what we have to have to survive as a species we are so separated from understanding where we came from what basically what we need to be consuming and, and the why well a cow has five stomachs you know it, it was a, it's able to graze off of the forage off the grasses off the weeds off of anything the cow is very intelligent when it comes to basically being that land tool to transfer the soil into something that you can consume with those vitamins and minerals but they also are the land tools that steward the land they regrow soil with their basically their fertilization of it with everything that they consume they give it back to the earth and it regenerates the soil so many people are so detached from food or even the earth in which they live on that they don't understand this because there's massive amounts of manipulation and corruption and deceptions when it comes to you know what is causing if you even want to say climate change i don't even go there because i don't validate deceptions and how they try to frame it as far as a cow being a carbon hazard is one of the biggest laughable things i've ever heard in my life but they're convincing people that that's actually something that is true and you know once you look down and once you break down what they're actually trying to accomplish and why they're trying to accomplish making you think that the cow is a carbon hazard or a cow is going to give you a heart attack because of cholesterol Man, the deceptions run deep, and once you find that clarity, that moment of clarity, you go, whoa, okay, now I want to know more about the cow. So as far as the beef, you know, here in Texas, we've always basically at once, one time, we fed a nation. Right after the Civil War, we started feeding a nation. We started doing cattle drives. We actually made this country strong with beef. A lot of people don't realize that. And right now, what I'm telling everybody is that we're on a new modern-day cattle drive. And you have a chance to become a, a, a modern-day cattle man by coming through the Beef Initiative, the intelligence, and the education that we're giving on nutrition, market access once again. And, you know, you look at, uh, you look at the lives of the, the fat-free lives, the cholesterol deceptions in which has taken place. You know, you can go down those rabbit holes and see what they do and have done. But the one thing I tell everybody, I could sit here right now and I could go for the next three hours. We could talk about the Rockefellers. We could talk about, you know, the, all the processing, multinational processing centers that don't allow us to even eat United States beef half the time anymore. But that's not really beneficial to people. What people really need to do is quit parroting all the fear porn and parroting that they know that there's an issue. What they really need to start doing is putting their intentions, their behavior into creating that market access for their children and for themselves and become part of the solution instead of being part of the marketing arm of the people that are trying to enslave us with prohibition against nutrition, against our personal space, against our money with hyperinflation, how they print, how, you know, we, we end up poor one day. Sometimes we got a little extra money. Sometimes we don't, but it's all done through the manipulation of the dollar if you can accept all that's going on then what you do is you put your energy you put your focus into a new direction where you don't even have to worry about that stuff i don't watch tv i don't listen to radio nothing comes through these ears unless i say it does by doing that i'm living a damn good life i'm i'm, I'm basically creating an international lifestyle that everybody out there is yearning for but they, they 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 need to step off and they need to go in a different direction as far as their intentions and as far as their consumption models right on well said well said you know i appreciate the whole solutions focus because there's a lot of people that think they're doing 
God's work on earth by sharing videos and uh, <laughs> watching documentaries on Rumble and trying to shove shove stuff down their family's throat at Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. When in reality, like you said, they're they're perpetuating the problem. They're perpetuating a lot of fear, too. But when you step into that, you step out of the reactionary state and into a space of proactivity, uh, it really is fulfilling and it relieves yeah. all sorts of anxiety and stress and feelings of overwhelm. So uh, appreciate what you're doing when it comes to market access. Right. So mm -hmm. the cow is sacred. It's worshipped in many religions. And there's really something magical, evolutionary. I don't know if it's a God thing or if it's just evolution, but like it, that's pretty cool that it can take earth and plant matter and convert it into such uh, high sustenance food. And it mm -hmm. repeats that whole cycle, right? Between yeah. what we eat and the earth and regeneration. So talk about market access, because uh, it's something that we've been really focused on with the local Freedom Cell group here. We hosted a meeting sure. not too long ago, uh, linking up uh, folks with local food producers and basically creating like a directory and really yeah. encouraging people to give these folks your business, but not just order online or whatever, but try to build a relationship. And this is beneficial because for two reasons, one in a reactionary mode, if crap hits the fan, we want to be able to continue to eat, right? And continue to give our business to these folks that are supplying the food. But more importantly, this is a better way to live anyway. Having a connection with the food, visiting the ranch or the farm where you get your veggies or your meat. Uh, so talk about market access and what the Beef Initiative is aiming to do uh, in order to help foster greater connectivity between the food and the consumer. Sure. You know, when I say market access, a lot of people don't realize how it's changed throughout in the last 50 years as well. Used to, and let's let's use Texas as an example. In Texas, we have 254 counties. At one time, we had 254 multi or uh, micro processing centers in the state of Texas. Those those processing centers, those micro processing, their abattoirs, processing centers, you know, where we harvest the animal. They, they fed the communities. Well, throughout the 50 years that we've gone, the multinational corporations have come in, and now we only have four major multinational processing centers that process 80% of our animal protein in the United States, and they're not even in the United States. What they do is they control the distribution of all of that food, and nobody really has a say, a say in it. Okay, what we do within the beef initiative, as I say, I'll, you know, I'm going to live like my grandfather lived. Well, well, what did he do? Well, he raised his animal. He took it to the local processing center. He raised the animal. He knew where it got processed. He got the animal processed. He took it back home. He fed the family. Within the beef initiative, we have that same philosophy. A lot of the ranchers, producers that are coming in here, they have access, market access to a processing center that they can take the animal to the processing center. They can get that product back and then they can sell it to the people that want their uh, their product and people don't realize how important that is all the touch points that you eliminate out of the multinationals you can do it especially through the beef finish if you were there down in luling at the kill it and grill it the cattleman's feast and i appreciate everybody that came there with your team thank you for the the sponsorship it's man it's it's fascinating when people step up like you have but by doing that, you know, Cole Bolton and uh, Clyde Summerlotti, uh, K&C Cattle and Two Bar C Ranch, well, now we have a microprocessing right there in Central Texas. It's uh, logistically, you know, put there for a reason. They're feeding the community again. They have the cattle, regenerative cattle. Now they have their own processing center. The processing center basically creates the product, and now the community can have market access. They don't have to go to HEB. They don't have to go to Kroger. They don't have to go to Walmart. They can be intentional. They can go buy any type of basically beef they want and one thing that you saw is in during the cattleman's feast the amount the cuts of the cow the amount of cow that you can actually have access to through somebody like hometown meats the beef initiative two bar c you know everybody k and c cattle cole bolton 
what we've done is we've created a whole new market access to beef that a lot of people don't even know exist. And so once you go down that rabbit hole, you know, the education of the cuts of the cow, you know, what you can do, what you, what, what you can do and how you can feed your family. I always tell everybody I have four ranchers in my damn freezers. And what I mean by that is the variety that I get to now choose that is actually more cost effective than shopping at a supermarket. So once you have market access, once you've shaken that rancher's hand through the beef initiative, that way through the beef initiative or in person you got to see the ranch you got to see two bar c ranch you get to see where the people are you the people that actually live and die to feed you and what we've done as a society is we're forgotten about that we think food should be a convenience food should be based on survival and health not a convenience it's not a drive-through and people need to kind of you know we've been socially engineered once again i'm not going to go there but what we have is market access to health and it's a vertical integration back into human health by having market access into this type of dense nutrition that is beef pure animal protein i love it i love it yeah and that was an incredible event to visit the new processing facility and see all these great folks doing this amazing work uh and i appreciate a lot of people think that in order to change the world or to be more precise in order to change their world they have to do all these grandiose efforts and all this revolutionary activity and protesting and yada 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 all this all this nonsense really uh, when in reality, we just have to go back to the old way of doing things, right? But the cool thing, too, I want to talk about cryptocurrencies. It's kind of merging the old way with this new technology. Uh, but I do want to invite folks, again, you're going to be speaking uh, at our event here in Bastrop, Texas. It'll also be streamed online. It's the Food Resiliency Town Hall. Folks can register for free at livefree.academy town hall uh, slash town hall livefree.academy slash uh, town hall, but you'll also be presenting at uh, the Greater Reset. Uh, that's taking place January 18th through the 22nd. So I definitely want to bring people's attention to the Greater Reset. Then go to thegreaterreset.org. And, and you know, you mentioned the Great Reset earlier. We're doing a lot. This mo this movement and this event, the Greater Reset, is a deliberate pushback on the Great Reset. I just wanted to bring the audience's attention to this article here from 2019. From the World Economic Forum, they're the ones behind the Great Reset. Six pressing questions about beef and climate change answered. And as you said, it's absolutely ridiculous. They say beef is more resource intensive and puts out more carbon, um, when in reality, it's one of the greatest ways to, to leverage the nutrients that are found in the soil and the food and, and eat that. But they go on later. They got this question here because this is a war on food, war on meat, and really a war on us. They say, would eating less beef be bad for jobs in the agriculture industry? Uh, let me see. Actually, this question right here. Do we all need to stop eating beef in order to curb climate change? The short answer is no. But they do say that we had to go to about half the current U.S. levels. So everybody needs to eat beef half as much, according to uh, the Great Reset in the World Economic Forum. But in all honesty, I'm eating beef twice or maybe four, ten times as much as I used to. So I guess we're enemy enemy number one. But again, that's the Greater Reset. You can go to thegreaterreset.org, thegreaterreset.org. Slim will be joining us in person in Bastrop, Texas, uh, or you can watch online for free at thegreaterreset.org. Or if you want to join Derek Bros and crew down in Mexico, they're going to be hosting from there, from there as well. Okay, so what can people do in order, what's some tips or some advice that you could give folks uh, in order to tap into this network of cattle ranchers, food producers? How do they get connected and what are some of the first steps people can do? It's the Beef Initiative, beefinitiative.com. Uh, you go there, you subscribe, it'll get you to the newsletter, and then you have uh, act market access to over 100 producers, like I say, that are across the United States that have come in voluntarily. This is not a marketing plan, and I'm going to be very stern about this. Beef initiatives are not about marketing. This is about word of mouth. This is about grassroots, intentional behavior. Every one of these ranchers, producers have come into the beef initiative because they want to have a voice again. And it's about giving them a voice. Well, you give them a voice by go out there to the Beef Initiative. You do a search. 
And if you can't find anybody in your area, then you need to get out there and you need to go find somebody in your area and go shake their hand. You need to develop a relationship with them and ask them why they do what they do. You are the student. Let them educate you. And then, therefore, once you've done that, you can basically go out there and you can have a relationship that you always are going to cherish, you're going to have obligation to, and that you're going to uh, realize that it's going to help change your life. It's more than just buying beef. The, the American rancher is under attack. They use it. All that crap that you just showed right there is the deception that a lot of people, they don't even know how to disseminate why it is. Is a deception we have enough beef in the united states to feed every family we don't have to have a, a a major change in basically how we raise cattle there's a few things that we always need to improve on but there's a war on the cattle rancher there's a war on commodity cow cowboys i call them commodity cowboys and i think that's a bunch of bs it's it's basically what we are doing in the beef initiative is we're we're going to say this is not a competition between these producers ranchers we want you to stand by what you do and we want you to feed your communities if that's once if that's your intentions then come through the beef initiative so we know that the rancher producers that come into the beef initiative their intentions are true their authenticity is real and they want to feed your family so it is up to us everybody always thinks somebody's going to come save them nobody's going to save us no politician is going to save you no multinational corporation is going to save you the only people that are going to save you if you are worried about being saved is yourself and how you do that is you change your consumer demand as i say you quit validating the deceptions because every time you go to the supermarket and you know that a lot of the supermarket is now basically turned into a convenience store and the convenience store is now the supermarket then you're validating deceptions and you've got to change it's okay to have that confidence you don't need to ask for permission as i keep saying that but i think once people finally accept that that they can accept that they have to change their individual consumer demand the accountability mirror is on you now you can't look out there anymore and say who's going to save us only thing that saves us is we change our consumption models and we quit giving them the fuel what is the fuel the united states dollar so whenever you quit doing that then they have to pay attention you don't have to brag about it you just do it and you go on your merry way and if every individual sovereign minded individual in the united states of america would do that then we could we could we could put it into all this bs and all this deception pretty quick that's what people have to understand and they need to start acting in that way we're all adults here these children in our nation are helpless they have not had a chance we've already lost a generation of children to basically metabolical failure children are coming into the doctors now with fatty liver disease liver transplants 46 percent of our children right now between the ages of 5 and 11 are obese or going to be obese they're one out of two is going towards diabetes or they're already in diabetes that is a travesty that is a freaking genocide and people need to step up and quit like you said before quit parroting and quit becoming a marketing arm of all of the deceptions and start being a marketing arm of your own intentional behavior that changes the consumer demand of this nation right on well said i appreciate the passion uh, that passion is infectious so you are definitely speaking truth to power a lot of people walk the walk but Without a doubt, you're you're talking the talk and bringing a lot of people together, which is important too. Uh, not just sharing or or you know one man crusade, but really building a movement behind this. That's what it takes to spread ideas, and this is definitely an idea whose time has come. Um, let's talk about Bitcoin and the role that it plays in market access and connecting folks and in, in this whole peer to peer model because you're creating sure. peer to peer uh, networks between consumers and producers, right? Uh, so how does Bitcoin play a role in all this? And if you could start by sharing how you learned about Bitcoin. Well, Bitcoin is very confused. And once again, they, they basically, they confuse the general public that doesn't have a true understanding of what Bitcoin is. And I'm going to say this very sternly now, and it's not a judgment against anybody because I did it myself. Cryptocurrency and Bitcoin are not the same thing. Okay. Bitcoin is not cryptocurrency. 
Bitcoin is Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a basically a decentralized network. It's a new form of technology that gives you a monetary store of value. It is extremely decentralized. It's not a centralized controlled apparatus. Everything you got in the crypto world is no different from them printing dollars. They can they can print out and they can digitize coins and they can they can basically collapse the economy which they're damn near trying to do right now with ftx i don't know if you saw anything about that but that was a big old ponzi scheme and that's based on cryptocurrency and we call them shit coins what you have to understand is that bitcoin is not cryptocurrency what it is it's a decentralized apparatus that is a peer-to-peer -peer transactional system that gives you a store of value and it's based on scarcity and decentralization okay this nation does even understand what scarcity is anymore we live in the mindset that we live in abundance we don't live in abundance it's it's basically that what people have been engineered to think there's only going to be one 21 million bitcoin ever mined okay after that there's no more bitcoin and they're ever going to be mined so there's scarcity store of value i always ask the ranchers what is the store of the value of the cow now they don't well they give me answers and i'll tell that later on but the store of value of being a rancher has been stolen basically by the debasement of our dollar, the basically the lack of access to the land in which our grandfather stewarded. And so they don't have a store of value in which our ancestors had. Bitcoin is that apparatus that is going to change the future of cattle ranching and food systems across the world if you want to decentralize market access. So with beef and bitcoin what it is is i can go out there i can buy a full cow from cole bolton and knc cattle or jason rick of rick ranches or holy cow uh and well any one of these ranchers that have come through the beef initiative i can go buy a full cow i can get my wallet out and i can say there you go and it goes from me to them and that bitcoin if they don't want it all in bitcoin the rancher can then say i want I want 90% of this to go into my bank account. I'm going to save 10% in Bitcoin because in the last 11 years, every year, all it's done has gone up 100%. I think there's been one year to this year might be another year that it, it did lose value. But throughout the history of time, it's always increased in value. And that will continue to happen throughout the years. It's not a get rich quick scheme. This is investing and creating legacies, a store of value that the United States government cannot take away from you. It is legal. It is looked at as property. And what it takes, though, and a lot of people don't have this, is the patience and the focus to educate themselves what Bitcoin truly is and what the deceptions are that basically the United States government, the banking systems, everybody else. I remember growing up and working in big tech. I remember whenever they said Amazon had no value. I remember when Amazon actually crashed eight times in the beginning. Amazon, they, they, nobody believed it was going to happen. I remember when Apple basically uh, was not allowed to be purchased as a stock in certain states in the United States. What we have to do is we have to put perspective around what money is, what value is, and basically how you can leverage against a basically the Fed and the United States government that is taking away your your basically your time. They're stealing your time. My my father's 81 years old right now. He's retired. He lost over six years of his life this year that he worked that he, he now he never even got paid because of hyperinflation bitcoin fights against that bitcoin is a peer-to-peer -peer. nobody has to basically give me approval to be able to buy beef and the rancher can sell beef and they're coming in they're being educated and they're using it as a tool to leverage against this hyperinflation and the debasement of the u.s dollar and it is not cryptocurrency that's one thing that i have to say to be very responsible for and you go down that everybody did I, I started down crypto world and all that but what you do is you find out if you do your education and you make sure that you're getting the right focus on what bitcoin truly is you leave you leave out the uh the even the desire to know what uh anything's going on in the crypto world all that deceptions that are going on in that what you have to do is there's only one bitcoin and that is bitcoin 
Right on. Yeah. And that's controversial, of course, in the quote unquote crypto community. Um, that's fine. Time, yeah, I've been doing it for you know crypto since like 2013 or so. And in fact, early on, my ex-wife and I, we traveled around the country using Bitcoin only a few times. Right. Uh, yeah, which was definitely a lot more challenging back in 2013. So. I commend you. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I was very much into all sorts of different altcoins or cryptocurrencies. But as time goes on and the space matures and immatures, I guess, in some ways, it's actually becoming more clear to me that, you know, Bitcoin is has the greatest network effect and it's truly decentralized. Right. I think Satoshi Nakamoto's greatest gift to the to the world was not hanging around right to, to yeah. manipulate things or to be manipulated or to be coerced there's no company that started things um i will say though i still am fond of monero because i do think that we need a privacy-based option completely obscuring everything right i know there are some tools you can use with bitcoin and of course lightning network can help in that way sure. um and but you know, in large part you got to be careful point, get, to yeah, your point though see what you just said monero you said Monero because you're 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 basically you're stewarding your privacy. See, you have good intentions. So something at Monero, I hear a lot of Bitcoiners, they're very fond of it, and I think it will have a place probably. I'm not the one to say that. I know what works now for the Beef Initiative, and that's all I care about. Yep. But thank you for bringing that up because that's a good good point to bring up as far as the perception. The why that you like Monero is because of privacy. Yep. Yep. And now, so I do a lot of education uh, with Bitcoin and I do spend a lot of time helping beginners at its workshop for specifically mm -hmm. tailored towards beginners. In fact, I did a more comprehensive workshop first and thought I was like helping folks out by going as deep as I possibly could <laughs> and basically unloading all my Bitcoin crypto knowledge. But it turns out a lot of people were overwhelmed. So then I followed it up with one geared towards beginners. How ha have you found that some of these ranchers have struggled, you know, because a lot of Texas ranchers are really hands-on, you know, get or done mm -hmm. kind of folks, not technology or spending so much time on the computer or smartphone. So how has that been received? Has there been a little bit of a challenge there? And how are you overcoming these challenges to help folks onboard onto crypto? Well, I think one of the challenges that we have with any type of new technology, like I say, you know, coming up through the, the startup days in big tech, a lot of times we don't have the we don't have the the verbiage or we don't really understand you know how to approach people to talk about things you know and first you know you had to learn how to you know teach your parents how to you know put a document in a file on a computer and you had to create scenarios and analogies that they can understand i think that's a lot with bitcoin but one thing that i knew from the very beginning with my you know expertise in technology of the past is that most ranchers most you know animal producers have a, already a decentralized mindset for the most part they understand proof of work because that's what they do every day they don't have a choice they don't have, they don't they don't look at the clock they're not clock watchers and so if you understand how their mind works and how they operate what you can do is you can create conversations i never sell bitcoin bitcoin's not for sale and I never push Bitcoin on anybody. That's not what that's, this is about relationship building. I ask to be educated and I create a relationship with those producer ranchers. And you know what happens whenever you do form some trust and some dialogue that's based on respect, the conversation's always gonna go into Bitcoin because you start talking about pain points in the ranching industry. You talk about store of value, you talk about proof of work, you talk about decentralization, you talk about community building you talk about nodes and so you don't have or have to push bitcoin that's not something i'm going to do if you're curious about it we've got roadmaps we now have partnership with oshi ibex the beef initiative has done their own innovation we have a strong team that help educate any producer rancher and it's going to really ramp up over you know the next year because one of our you know uh, ibex i'll just say them they're they're an international company and so they're going to bring biff initiative within their messaging and so it's just not about the american producer rancher it's every animal producer across this globe is going to have access to that education that is actually saving 
saving ranchers right now because they are understanding that this monetary system that has a store of value basically is at their fingertips it's free you don't have to buy anything what you have to do is educate and one thing that they are most ranchers and producers are educators they understand the importance of education so they take the time to educate themselves that's one thing that i want to give every rancher props and respect to or do they take the time to educate right on all right we're coming here to a close um let me ask you this what do you foresee or what already is uh one of the biggest obstacles or hurdles or challenges uh when it comes to spreading this and the beef initiative uh finding greater success and really permeating the public consciousness what do you think are some of the hurdles and then how, how are you planning to overcome them I really don't kind of, you know, to identify, you know, the, the issues at hand or as far as the hurdles, like you say, I really don't uh, really see anything. The one thing, if I have to be, <laughs> which I am very transparent and honest, if I have to say anything, the biggest thing I'm up against is people's ignorance but it, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's because it takes time to understand, you know, what's really going on. A lot of people, you got to find out where they are before you start talking at them. And you got to start learning how to basically communicate. One thing is communicating to the masses is kind of hard. And a lot of people do it very successfully, but it's usually a marketing plan, right? And the beef initiative isn't a marketing plan. So one of the biggest challenges is basically talking to everybody where they are and have Having that patience and you know i've been doing this for three years that's all i got is patient this is a 10-year plan they got a 10-year plan we got a 10-year plan we're going to change the beef industry in the united states of america and across this globe i can guarantee it and one thing that on top of that is the hardest thing to do because people don't realize right now the industrial food complex has turned food into a drug and basically a lot of people's consumer demand is not something that they really are intentionally or want to do but what it is it's based on uh you know a consumption model that's hard to break and so changing people's consumer demand we have to hit it all fronts we have to be pop culture look at me i'm a cowboy i'm rough and tumble we're going to change pop culture we'll turn it on its head but what we're going to do in the challenge is getting everybody the individual to understand that they are the solution the solution's not out there, man. It's every time you open up that fridge, every time you walk in that supermarket saying, I'm not coming back. I'm going to go find somebody where I don't ever have to step in the supermarket ever again. Once you do that, your consumer demand changes the world because you do it one person, one step at a time. I started the beef initiative with one handshake with one rancher that developed into one cow that fed one family. That's all we got to do. That's the perspective. And if everybody can take that same perspective, they'll be the change they want to happen. They'll become the movie and they'll, they'll, they'll see this. Their life will change for the better. Their children's lives will change for the better. And they will create a legacy that everybody in their family is going to be very proud of. I love it. I love it, man. And it, it reminds me of the early Bitcoin evangelism days like we we're just giving bitcoin to people giving away right. bitcoin here and there right so yeah. it's the same thing meeting people one-on-one -on -one, grassroots uh communication shaking hands and and i appreciate that and i appreciate your eye for uh you know for what's viral right and you got the right. whole mysterious cowboy look and the hat down and everything it's it's cool and it's a cool thing too like texas cowboys there's a culture there's an americana there and so I think it's definitely something that could be tapped into and you're tapping into it, uh, especially the young people on board and to merge yeah. crypto rancher, uh, regenerative agriculture lifestyle. So you're really doing great work in the world. And I'm excited that you're going to be joining us again for the food town hall that's taking place December 3rd coming up this Saturday. Folks can sign up to watch for free online at livefree.academy slash town hall, livefree.academy slash town hall uh so the headliner there of course is texas slim he's gonna be doing a workshop on market access we're gonna hear from jan john pantalone of amber oaks ranch uh myself my friend nomad brad nomad brad actually uh, hosted a meat share we got together 16 people we all chipped in uh, varying amounts and we bought a whole cow had it butchered and it really it filled it filled my entire deep freezer which was pretty cool so folks are all worried about food shortages meanwhile we got a meat 
a, a freaking freezer full of meat, which was sweet. And of course, we'll be joined by Bro, Bo Brotherton of Better Together Homestead. You can join us in person if you're here in Central Texas in Bastrop, or you can watch for free online. So any parting words for the audience there, Mr. Slim? No, I, I really appreciate everything. You reaching out, you guys did see us. You talk about grassroots and viral. I mean, you guys, you, you've helped the beef initiative, and I want to give you, you know, rec uh, recommend that everybody that you know maybe come across you guys to really get out there to Vastrop. You know, December third, January eighteenth through twenty first, and you've done a great job. You've been great supporters. I mean, we're just getting started. Twenty twenty three is going to be a phenomenal year. We've got the momentum, and you know, it's because people coming together you know and and really saying hey how can we how can we collaborate because it is it's one big collaboration so everybody's kind of yearning for a different you know way of living here it is right here it is let's yep. uh let's quit watching netflix and let's get out to bastrop on december 3rd right all right all right right on thank you so much for spending some time with us appreciate you hey thank you john appreciate it all right there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Texas Slim, the one, the only, super grateful for the work that he's doing in this world. You can find more about this movement that he and other ranchers are helping to create at beefinitiative.com. That's beefinitiative.com. And once again, Slim will be our headlining speaker at the Food Resiliency Town Hall. We're going to have some talks, some workshops. We're going to learn about different meat cuts uh, when it comes to the cow. And we're also going to be having a really nice feast from KNC Cattle. Uh, and on top of that, it's a town hall, right? So we're going to close the event down with a giant session with all the ranchers and food producers that we've invited, and we're going to answer questions. So folks that are watching online, you'll get link to a, you'll get uh, access to a Zoom link, and then the folks that are in person, of course, will be able to ask questions. So we really are doing everything we can in order to empower people. At the end of the day, we'll just provide the information and the message, and hopefully some motivation but you got to be the one to act. So act now, head on over to livefree.academy slash townhall, livefree.academy slash townhall. Again, it's completely free. You'll be able to watch the transmission uh, this weekend, Saturday, December 3rd. It all kicks off. Uh, the stream starts at 12 o'clock, 12 to 4 p.m. So I hope you'll join us. And if you are in Central Texas or if you want to hop on a train, plane, or automobile, uh, you can join us here in Bastrop, Texas, as we launch our new office and event space. Again, all the information is over at livefree.academy slash townhall. And you can follow Slim's work or sign up for their newsletter at beefinitiative.com. That's beefinitiative.com. Until next time, peace and freedom, friends. I'm out.